0: This is the Sandman Podcast on TV Podcast Industries, and we're chatting about the Sandman, Chapter 10, Lost Hearts.
1: And you, who call yourselves collectors, until now, you have sustained fantasies in which you are the victims, comforting daydreams in which you are always right. But no more. The dream is over. I have taken it away. For this is my judgment upon you. That you shall know from this moment on exactly how craven and selfish and monstrous you are that you shall feel the pain of those you have slaughtered and the grief of those that mourn them still. And you shall carry that pain and grief and guilt with you until the end of time.
0: Welcome back, fellow dreamers. This is TV Podcast Industries. This is the Sandman Podcast. And we are chatting about chapter 10 of the Sandman, Lost Hearts. I am one of your hosts, John. I'm one of your other hosts, Derek. The season finale, kind of. Indeed it is, yes. (laughs) It is the series finale, Mm -hmm. although there is... An episode 11 as well that we will be covering, which is kind of a two-parter, one Mm -hmm. with cats, one without cats. That's true. So um, we will be doing that uh, as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. But yes, technically, this is the closing of the book for this 10-episode or 10-chapter series of The Sandman. Exactly. Episode 11 is almost an epilogue to the season. It is. I believe they called it The Sandman Special Event. Yeah. So it is obviously connected with the Sandman, but not to this overarching story Mm -hmm. of these 10 chapters. Yes. Uh, But welcome back, fellow dreamers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Remember to subscribe over on our website at tvpodcastindustries.com, where you can into any dreamlike or nightmarish podcast catcher of your choice mm-hmm. to listen to our soothing dreamlike voices <laughs> i hope so yes exactly <laughs> I hope they aren't really irritating voices and please send <laughs> your emails at to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com for mm-hmm. all your feedback thoughts theories comments uh, and judgments shall we say <laughs> on the sandman
2: as well excellent excellent yeah we want to hear your thoughts uh, for the final episode um just email them into that email address uh, or pop on over to our facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tv podcast industries there's a spoiler post up there for episode 11 as well so uh pop in your thoughts there um and yeah we'd love to hear your thoughts uh, a bit of news this today as we're recording, John, we're recording on the 28th what of what September. Um, well, for those of you who haven't got enough of Sandman from uh, from the Netflix TV show, unfortunately, it's not confirmation of season two. But excitingly, act three of the Sandman Audible production is available right now on your amazon prime device on audible so uh, go download it um it's an excellent set of stories just came out today so i haven't had the chance to listen to it yet but the first two acts are brilliant excellent translations of the comic books directly translating from the comic books unlike the netflix um version it hasn't been apt- adapted or updated it is exactly as it appears on the page pretty much um with the occasional description of what's going on but a b- beautiful production uh, act three out today another uh, 12 or so issues which is about 13 or 14 hours of new great Neil Gaiman Sandman content for your ears
0: excellent stuff excellent mm-hmm. stuff and Netflix please get a move on with the announcement uh, it's becoming quite nightmarish uh, is, this, this hiatus yeah. um, that you are leaving us in uh, but anyway I, know.
2: I, did, I did just see that Boyd, Boyd Holbrook and uh, Tom Sturridge Tom Sturridge who plays Morpheus and Boyd Holbrook who plays the Corinthian are both going to be at New York Comic Con and just over a week's time so you never know there may be a surprise announcement from Netflix there of a season 2 uh, you just never know but uh, we are hopeful
0: Netflix. Come on. Netflix. Come on. But with that, let us get into our spoiler filled discussion of chapter ten of the Sandman, Lost Hearts. Mm-hmm. Derek, uh tell us who, what, when, where, why, how, and when. Okay. If, but why. I
2: presume that's the people behind the series. Yes. Grant. Well, executive producers of the show are Alan Heinberg. Neil Gaiman and David S. Goyer. Uh, This episode was written by Jay Franklin, who was a production assistant on The Daily Show, interestingly, for over two years. Uh, Also worked as a production assistant on the drama show For The People as well. And this is his first uh, credit on The Sandman. Great stuff.
0: Yes, I'm right. surprised it wasn't just behind a desk.
2: <laughs> well, he was just a showrunner in the background. He's oh, running around all the whole time, the whole time. Uh, the episode was directed by Louise Hooper. Uh, Louise directs the Calliope uh, segment of the final episode of Sandman as well. Um, directed two episodes of the most recent season of Inside Number Nine. John. Excellent. You'll remember these episodes. Remember Wise Owl and yes. Mister King. Two great episodes of uh, of Inside Number Nine. If you haven't checked that series out. Definitely check it out. It's one of the most brilliant uh, dark comedy. Well, Wise uh, Owl was particularly dark. It, that, it certainly was, uh, with animation in there as well. And, uh, yes. Yeah, some really dark uh, elements. But Mr. King had a little uh, old-school British uh, horror in there too. So uh,
0: certainly watch that. Most definitely. Yes, uh, those road safety cartoons will never... And fire safety and overhead pylon mm-hmm. safety cartoons that we used to get as kids um yes it messed with my mind as always but great show great show absolutely and we've also talked
2: about louise hooper on this here podcast because she directed two episodes of the witcher season
0: two Excellent stuff. stuff. We talked about it earlier on this Yes, year. it yeah. must have been the one uh, with the bath,
2: I guess. It might have been. Uh, there wasn't as many baths in the second season no, as there was the first, actually. unfortunately. Oh, well. <laughs> but, John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for the
0: technically season finale of Sandman, Chapter 10, Lost Hearts? Sure. The Corinthian warns Rose that Morpheus plans to kill her to protect the boundaries between the dreaming and the waking world – ...and manages to persuade her and Jed to stay in his hotel room... ...as he heads down for his keynote speech at the Serial Convention. But as the Corinthian places the collectors into his collective dream... ...he is interrupted by Morpheus. But the Corinthian shows Morpheus that Rose's increasing power... ...and the weakening of the boundaries of the dreaming... ...enables him to defend himself against his creator. In the meantime, Rose and Jed have fallen asleep which allows Morpheus to inform Rose of the great danger she poses to the waking world, prompting her to temporarily restore the dreaming, and allowing Morpheus to unmake the Corinthian. Morpheus punishes the convention attendees with clarity about their crimes, allowing Rose and Jed to leave the hotel unharmed. That is, until she falls asleep again. Mm. That night... Rose confronts Morpheus in the Dreaming and is ready to sacrifice herself to save her friends and brother, but they are joined by Unity, Kincaid and Lucienne. They inform Morpheus it was Unity who should have been this era's vortex, and Unity convinces Rose to transfer the vortex into her, allowing her to sacrifice her life for Rose's. Morpheus realises that Unity's golden-eyed man who impregnated her while she was with the sleeping sickness was Desire, who planned to pass the vortex to her descendant in an attempt to have Morpheus spill family blood. Morpheus confronts Desire, warning them and despair against further scheming. Back in the Dream Realm, Morpheus remakes Galt as a good dream, and endeavours to act as a more benevolent ruler of the Dreaming, leaving Lucienne to take care of his affairs while he creates. In the Waking World, Lyta, with her newborn son, moves with Rose, Jed and Hal back to New Jersey. In Hell, not New Jersey, after being reproached by Lord Azazel and the Dukes of Hell, Lucifer Morningstar ponders a new plan that will really anger God and wreak revenge upon Lord Morpheus. Mmm, what a way to end the season with that nice little cliffhanger! Uh,
2: that you will uh, definitely know if you've been reading the comic books. But we're not going to talk about here to spoil John.
0: We definitely won't spoil no, John. No, don't spoil me. <laughs> I want Netflix to spoil me by saying season two is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Netflix. <laughs>
2: Excellent, John. Will we get into discussing this final episode of this 10-chapter run. I'd love to know what you thought about this episode and how it wraps up the uh, the overall arc of the season.
0: Well, yes, definitely. Let's get into it, because uh, I really love this episode. Um, mm. Certainly thought it, it had a really nice through line of all the 10 episodes. And in a sense, how the Corinthian was played out. Mm-hmm. Just really connected them all really good and with Unity Kincaid as well. Mm-hmm. Just those nice little touches in the earlier episodes of Unity with her sleepy sickness mm-hmm. um, and you know being so important in this these this final run of of episodes. So uh, I, I thought this really worked well together, even though if I understand correctly, they're kind of two separate um arcs within the comic series to some extent yeah and maybe not totally detached from one another but um i really liked how this really all connected through mm.
2: a sure i think as myself and chris both mentioned earlier on in the season the way one of the most interesting things about the sandman comics is that there are things dropped in like a panel that will appear and become really important yeah. later on in the okay. series. And that, tends, that seems to have been what they've done on the Netflix show yeah, quite definitely. well. Um, you know, as, as we said, Unity Kincaid, for example, falling asleep in that first episode, and then you get her story, you know, five or six episodes in, you get what happened to Unity, and then it becomes so massively important at the end but of the series. But that's it. it
0: it's the shot of Unity, you know, with the dollhouse, the mm-hmm. back in 1930s or 1920s yeah. um, London or mm-hmm. Britain, were yes you know they mention the name but it's just that little touch of having her going into sli- the sleepy sickness yeah. but also then just her being so central and being part of Desire's long-term mm-hmm. plan even though you know in a sense watching the series you're going oh it was Roderick Burgess mm-hmm. you know you thought that was part of the plan yeah. and um, so or it it was um John D, played by uh, David Thewlis, mm-hmm. um, you know all these different um, aspects, or even the Corinthian, and mm-hmm. yes, it ends up being uh, Unity Kincaid. So there's some real nice, you know, those cl- connections there mm-hmm. uh, through here. So I really thought it was a, a great ending to this story for sure. Excellent. Um, but shall we crack on with the the top moments from the chapter? Uh, we have Corinthian creates a new dream realm with Rose as its dream lord. Oh, what a great use of Corinthian
2: here. We're kind of been trying to work out what his plan is. He seems to be really knowledgeable about what's going on. And this idea that he suddenly found this vortex and is going to use it for his own benefit. Um This I I thought this was such a great showdown for this show. This idea of what's happening here is Corinthian's going to use his keynote speech that we all kind of laughed at, this idea of having this uh, serial killer going to speak to other serial killers. We all kind of laughed at this. What's what's he going to talk about? Well, actually, he's going to use this to convince them all to get into a dream state and dream about a world where they are the heroes of America, effectively, and sitting them all together to get in on, on this idea and this dream has created this new realm that effectively isn't being controlled by Morpheus he's setting up Rose to be the center of this dream and she's now in control of it all because she's there and everybody's having a collective one collective dream which is allowing the walls to break down quicker than it would in the and, and
0: morpheus's version of the dream world it's kind of it's like the collective power mm-hmm. the collective energy of all this dreaming of people with the same mindset yeah you know and just even the way that the corinthian uh talked at the convention you know mm-hmm. it's soothing you know close your eyes it was almost like going into a meditation exactly. or sort of a, a well-being spa or something like that mm-hmm. so it was really really uh good and of course I'm amazed he was able to persuade um, Rose and Jed to stay in his hotel room, to be honest, mm-hmm. given that they had just witnessed him murder um, Fanboy and, mm-hmm. of course, Jed had witnessed him murder um, his his stalker, effectively, the, the pretend collector from the previous. The journalist, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. journalist. So I, I was just really surprised that he was able to do that but what you know at the same time i say that of course it's because he's giving a warning to rose Mm -hmm. because underlying all this episode which i thought was really good is that is an inevitability that morpheus will kill Rose, mm-hmm. and this is what corinthian warns her because she is a threat to him and his realm because her power will weaken these boundaries uh, she will in effect become the center of the dreaming yeah. and that's what corinthian is looking to to harness here mm-hmm. so i really really enjoyed that idea and um, as i say i was just wondering um how 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 and why would they stay with him? But he is basically, you know, I'm the lesser of two evils. Oh, I don't yeah. want to kill you because you're the center of my dream mm-hmm. and will be the dream lord in that. Um, Morpheus, you're a threat to him. Yep. Um, so that that was really good as well. And I think then mm. seeing... How these boundaries, you know, because Corinthian is there saying, you know, you'll become the set center of the dreaming. You'll pull down the walls between dreams and the waking world. This, this idea of these boundaries in place. Um, and then actually just being able to visualize that when Morpheus enters into the big serial killer loving that mm-hmm. um the corinthian has has helped engineer in a sense yeah a- and see the corinthian stab him through the hand mm-hmm. you know it's, it's just a good physical point of yes this is no longer a, a place where morpheus is invincible mm-hmm. essentially yeah. or You know, beyond the normal physical laws. So I I really enjoyed that.
2: I love Corinthians line too. And do you ever think that dreams die? It sounds like such a great line that you're wondering why somebody else hasn't used it before now. You know, Uh, really good moment. But um, it is a great battle between the two of them. But I I just wanted to quickly talk about this uh, this moment of. The shared dream with all of the serial killers. I love when you're kind of going into the minds of some of these crazed serial killers who are seeing themselves at their work chopping up bodies and they're all in different rooms. And as um, Rose is being fought over by uh, Morpheus and the Corinthian, those walls are breaking down between each of the serial killers. It's all, it's, I don't know, yeah. it's like something out like of Hellraiser when you're seeing. A bunch of murderers in different rooms who are about to converge together and join like we heard the kind of salivating that came from the good doctor when she thought she was going to be able to team up with corinthian and nimrod to murder the the journalist. this idea of you know loads of serial killers getting together and using their own uh, abilities to work together and kill even more people in more brutal ways and that's what this scene looked like when you yeah. had three different serial killers all with bodies in front of them And Rose, right in the center of it, being fought over by Morpheus and Corinthian, there was a a kind of a a creeping dread at this idea of breaking down the walls between each of their dreams and making this truly horrific world where they're in charge almost. Uh, Loved that that kind of stalking tension because Rose is being fought over by two different people who have two different complete opinions. One will end with her death which eventually she does accept that that could be the right thing to do. And the other one will end with her being the new owner of this, uh, of of the dream realm. She's the one at the center. She'll take over from Morpheus. So you can understand the argument, but I love that she's going, if I have this power, I can choose my own path.
0: Yes. Well, that's it. And, and, And she does, sort of, reinstating the dreaming here. I mean, actually, Rose is really philosophical Mm -hmm. here, despite having the warning from the Corinthian, the threat from Morpheus. Mm -hmm. Um, In the end, she's actually quite philosophical. It does feel that she's thinking of the greater good. You know, even later on, it's about protecting her brother and her friends. Mm -hmm. You know... So I, I really liked that, but I, I think, you know, as she restores that and then you have Morpheus with his powers reinstated or, or re-energized so that he can effectively um, uncreate mm-hmm. uh, his nightmare, the Corinthian. I just really enjoyed this um just this whole conversation you know the Corinthian says i do it so i can taste what it's like to be Mm -hmm. human you just care about realms and rules Mm -hmm. and you know to which morpheus is going i created you poorly yeah you know and again it's just you hear morpheus saying you know the next time i create you you'll not be so petty uh little dream it's it's as though the corinthian has gone from his what he thought was his greatest triumph to this little little dream exactly uh, of no significance
2: yeah um, and, and once again you know to, to take the theme that we've seen all season this is this is morpheus learning who he should be as the head of yes of the dreaming you know this idea that he's saying this is my fault i created you poorly if i had created you better we wouldn't be in this situation right now I have no blame on you, Corinthian. I'm just going to unmake you because it was a poor creation on my part. Uh, I really love that moment. It's not a battle between the Corinthian and Morpheus here. It's Morpheus, the all-powerful, saying, actually, I'm just going to uncreate you.
0: Yes, Um, No, really good. And, I mean, with the Corinthian, you know, there is that contrast between... The Galt as well, you know, the, the the other nightmare that went into the world mm-hmm. and how Galt worked in The Waking, you know, yeah. independently of the dream realm compared to the Corinthians. So there is that contrast here. And that's maybe right. with this moment, that's where Morpheus sees it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and feeding into why when he's back in the dream world at the end, mm-hmm. he... He effectively reinstates, brings back Galt, but in a way that she was hoping she could become. Yeah. So she becomes a dream. So I thought yeah. that was really, really nice touch.
2: Absolutely. And I remember Galt did the same thing. She took Jed, created a single dream that only had Jed at the center of yeah. it and was trying to be a dream for Jed, um, cutting him off from the rest of the dreaming. So that is very similar to what corinthian does here that the show was kind of telling you that this thing is possible you can cut people out of the dreaming and set them up in their own dream realm away from morpheus but the big difference here is because rose would have been the vortex with her at the center of it then yes. suddenly this could take over the entirety of the dreaming removing them all from the realm and powers of morpheus so um i love that i love that there was that little touch a setup uh, yeah and and i'm
0: glad that we got the sunglasses off so we could see the 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 mini mouth eyes (laughs) as well and i must say i like the fact that with morpheus um unmaking the corinthian the only thing that's left is that little (laughs) skull with the little mouth eyes and the the normal mouse.
2: He realizes it started with a basic idea. The idea of a person with mouth eyes. That will be really scary. I'll make them into a nightmare. And he made up made them poorly, so he'll start with that same concept again, but they won't be made as poorly next time. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's the that's the idea. But it did look, I guess it did so, look really yeah. cool. But I um, mean,
0: you know, having three sets of Nashes to mm-hmm. um keep and maintain, I guess, his dental bills were massive. I'd say so. Pretty good looking teeth. Yeah, pretty <laughs> yeah, good looking exactly. teeth. <laughs> uh, so, I re- yeah, it was really good just that it wasn't a battle. Mm-hmm. It was the creator uncreating... His creation. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, let's
2: talk about the other part of that then because it does lead into a battle later on. Rose is still the vortex. They escape from the hotel. Herself and Jed go and find out that Light has actually already been taken in um, to give birth to her baby. Um, so they end off in the hospital with Rose really scared of this idea that Morpheus could take her at any time. He could kill her at any time and she'd be removed from the world. And then Jed, once again, would be left all alone. So, um, So we do have this moment where she's trying to get her affairs in order in case this yes. happens what happens if i don't wake up the next time i sleep you hear uh rose um talking to light about that and her talking to unity um in case i die can you make sure that that um that jed's taken care of effectively so unity sets up that the ball rolling on that to make sure that no matter what happens to any of them they will all be taken yes, care exactly. of. Exactly.
0: I did like the fact that Lysa with her newborn baby was effectively being the you know, the war cry for for Rose as well. Mm. As I say, Rose was actually quite balanced and philosophical mm-hmm. or you know, it almost an inevitability about it. Lysa's yeah. fight him, you know, destroy him. Mm. Why don't you take over the, the dream world? I was yeah. like Alright, Lysa, calm down. <laughs> well, again, you know, while Dream didn't really do anything.
2: He sent a ghost that didn't belong in the Dreaming back to where they were supposed to go to. In Lysa's mind, she killed Hector and her possibility of living together with Hector and yes. their baby in the Dreaming. He killed that possibility. Which, So from her point of view, it's a massive... Um, overstep for what more of his did so the idea that Rose would also be lost to her um yeah is, is no that's true is a massive problem she's still those, hurting so. absolutely yeah really. definitely definitely for sure um but then Rose falls asleep and we once again see that Hal's dreaming about his his uh his drag uh act uh, Dolly lamour on stage yeah. this time though he's having a duet with her it's not uh it's not a whole attack on pulling off faces and I'm not the real person that you see it's actually that both of us exist here both of us are equal and both of us can work together to get to have a great future uh, which plays into the end which we'll we'll also talk about but you then effectively this great moment of um rose watching on and then banging the stage door and the whole room falls apart and suddenly they're standing in the middle of a field but this field leads into another dream which is uh once again uh, Chantal and Zelda, where Chantal, the Spider Woman, is trying to read a passage of a book and can't get over a part of it, and Zelda yeah. helps her out. So it, we're learning more about these characters, but they're all—all all those dreams are bleeding together, but not yeah. in not in the traditional way. It's not like you're, it's not like bleeding on the screen or anything like that. It's just suddenly they're all inside each other's.
0: Well, dreams. that's it. I, it was like Rose is mashing them all up mm. together, and um, she's retaining them all, but all of a sudden. Hal and Dolly are in Zelda's dream mm-hmm. and then are in Ken uh, and Barbie and tenborn's uh dream yes. you know and so she she just starts mashing them together mm-hmm. and it's all of a sudden out of nowhere as this vortex be- and I love that whole imagery I love the the look of the vortex in the sky mm-hmm. but then it happening on the the grass um, you then suddenly have Jed rushing in, you yes. know, again in a superhero outfit. in his superhero oh. outfit, and them all getting whisked down mm-hmm. into this this vortex.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I do love that uh, that poor Ken's uh dream, his personal dream of uh, of I guess something happening with him and another woman, um, turns into an absolute nightmare as as uh as Barbie arrives with Martin Tenbones and sees him, um, in the car. Uh, having yeah, a bit of fun. It's exactly. and it suddenly turns into a nightmare for the two of them which plays out in the in the hospital later on yeah. she's not talking to him anymore and um,
0: it's to that point as well that morpheus says you know no one is safe until the vortex is dead mm-hmm. and this is the reality of what she can do hmm. within the dream world yeah and with the boundaries of the waking world.
2: I do wonder, and I'm I'm just not 100% sure about this, whether this is Morpheus trying to teach her a lesson about her powers, almost. Because she's breaking down the walls between the dreams, but it happens to be very specifically her friends that are there, and they're all being dragged into the vortex. She wants them all back and is saying, I'll sacrifice myself if I get them all back to Morpheus. And I wonder, is, is that him convincing her th- that it's not only her friends that are going to be gone, but look what happens to just your friends because they're closest to you. Yeah, I- I'm-, I'm just not 100% sure. It doesn't really matter, I suppose, but um, whether, it- whether it's happening or not, whether it's happening to them or not, but it is an indication of how bad it could get for the Vortex. If she starts breaking down the walls between everybody's dreams, the whole world will die, effectively, is yeah. what Morpheus has said anyway.
0: Yeah, and effectively with that, you know, Morpheus and Rose stood opposite one another. It is Rose sort of relenting really to the the fate mm-hmm. that she will die once Morpheus has taken the the vortex power away from yeah. her in yeah. a sense. And Morpheus doesn't
2: really know what to do. That's kind of the thing. He's going I have to do this because I've this has happened yeah. in the past. But he doesn't really know what to do. He doesn't know how to snuff out the flame of the vortex. He just knows if he kills Rose, then that's the end of the vortex, right? Yeah. So that's kind of his only option. Um, but it ties into Unity Kincaid. Yeah. Um,
0: but well, just before Unity though, yeah. I the the moment where Fiddler's Green comes in to mm. exchange himself, I really really like just of the course, yeah. the pleasure he had being in the human waking world mm-hmm. with Rose as almost a you know a, a sidekick for him. Absolutely. He absolutely loved. And it just Sim Fry just put this across so so well and then sort of the realization that he's a place, not a person, and just the whole the way he turns that desolate landscape that, that both Rose and Morpheus are in into this lush green paradise almost. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was really, really good. I thought it I thought the spectacle of it was great. I thought the sincerity around um what Fiddler's Green is trying to do mm-hmm. really, really good. Was and, beautiful uh, wasn't it? I, yeah, I, lo- I really love that good. line to
2: Rose just before he changes um, you know, saying if you do stay in the dreaming Please come and sit under my branches, uh, I thought that was beautiful, yeah, and it was then, really and good. I loved being human with you
0: and got, and mm. then sort of sets up you know this this lush paradise yeah. where this evil, awful deed needs to to take place um but as you say, then unity um comes into the the this dream with Lucien after uh, we see unity popping up at um. Lucienne's Library, where she um, is is looking for a book about her life. Yes,
2: so this is something that I'm not sure whether it has come across in the show really well, but I do I love that they kept it in here. Um, Lucienne's Library is the library of dreams, so it is every possible future of everybody. Yeah. Effectively. So, um, with the fact that Unity has been asleep for a hundred years, the question that she's posing to Lucienne is, can you give me the book of what would have happened if I hadn't fallen asleep? Which is available in The Dreaming, because... It's every possibility yeah. of every person. So, do you remember back in episode one? I think it was when, or episode two, when Lucien was talking to Morpheus about the damage that had been done to the dreaming. She was saying all the books are empty. Yes, effectively, there are all of those dreams have been lost. Was uh, was the in, in, uh, the inference from from that, which is a huge impact. And yeah. now you see why it's a huge impact because someone like Unity had her entire life ripped away from her. Yes. So all of those dreams that she could have had for those hundred years are gone. So, um, so this moment here where she's just looking at and reading this story and reading this book of, of, who, uh, of who she is and who she could have been gives her that power to be able to say, well, actually, Rose isn't at fault here. I can save my family. I can actually do something here to allow Rose to live on, have the life she deserves because I was supposed to be the vortex it was only because of morpheus being trapped for those hundred years that she uh, wasn't the vortex
0: yeah no i i love that as well where Unity says to rose give me the power and rose is like well how and she mm-hmm. goes we're in a dream you know and just takes yeah. out this heart-shaped um crystal mm-hmm. with the the glowing center and um, which then unity Sort of takes and absorbs uh, the exactly. in order to become the vortex, then that can be killed effectively. Yeah. You know, she's lived as she says; it, it's her willing sacrifice mm-hmm. for her great granddaughter, yeah. um, which was really good. Um, but also, then just that she, you know, um, I had, you know, I've had a longer life than I should have had. Mm-hmm. Normally, I had my golden-eyed man, yes, you know, and you just see all the. The the ears and emo hairdo prick up uh, from from <laughs> Hang on um, a second. Did you did a, you say golden-eyed? golden eyes? Golden eyes, yeah. you know, piercing golden eyes. Mm-hmm. Um and this sort of ravels into the that this larger plot that's been happening. You know, we were saying, Well, how did she get pregnant? Mm-hmm. How was she impregnated? Was it some horrific thing that actually happened in the hospital? Mm-hmm. And in the end, it is part of Desire's plan to skip the vortex into someone effectively that is a descendant of the Endless. Now, mm-hmm. we don't know what would happen if Morpheus had killed Rose, being one of, uh, being a, a descendant um, of or child of the endless. Mm-hmm. But it, I think he. I think Morpheus just says, or Lucien just says, um, with all that entails. Um, right. So it's pretty serious, you yeah. know? Uh, pretty- but I just loved how it raveled into that to realize, yeah. you know, actually uh, Burgess wasn't the plan of desire. He to, was part of it. It was part of it, mm-hmm. but that was put as the plan. Mm-hmm. You know... I'll I've got something else going on so you think it's new plan but this is totally premeditated mm-hmm. um scheming from from Desire here. Absolutely. I mean she must really really hate Morpheus um, they do yeah. I mean even though it's all kind of a little bit of a, a hate with a wink, wink and a nudge, nudge, mm-hmm. because they can't, as such, cancel one another out themselves. Yeah. I'm guessing.
2: But desire, you know, again being the head of their realm, um, hates the idea that Dream thinks that his realm is more powerful yes. than their realm. Um, I, I really, I really like that. While there is this kind of flicker of joy from Desire when Morpheus has found out their plan. I'd say they're pretty annoyed that it failed because it was really well plotted. Um, As you say, the plan was that Burgess would lock up Morpheus and maybe kill him or uh, maybe he would be there forever. That was part of the plan. But while locked up there, Desire had this backup plan, which was effectively going to end off with Dream killing one of the other members of the Endless who would be punishing him for that. That's a question for the future. So, uh, but he would be punished for spelling blood of the endless. Yes, um, that's absolutely. A very important thing.
0: Um, and which brings, you know, a, a little showdown, a very polite showdown mm-hmm. between desire and death with desire. Introducing a lovely swishy cat tail. And um, yes. which I do think showed their true feelings yep. here with it swishing a bit more as they realize They've been found out. Oh, I love it! Um, I so love it was it. really, yeah. really good. But I, yeah. I just love the, you know, just the, just the, the quiet threat. You know, it's like a parent raising their voice at a child. Where. The child suddenly realizes, oh, I've done something bad here. You know, it stands down. Mm. Um, but the threat from Morpheus yes, is fabulous. It's really yeah. good. You know, do it again and I'll forget you are family. You know, mm-hmm. do you really think you can stand against me in death? Yeah. Um, so, you know, yeah, pretty, pretty pointed. Absolutely. Don't do it again. And you so. can yeah. tell with the cheeky glint in mm-hmm. those golden eyes uh, that desire... We'll most definitely try and do it again. They absolutely will. They
2: absolutely will. Uh, Mason Alexander Park, as desire, is so perfect. Uh, just got that real playful attitude. And as you say, the, the, uh, the addition of the cattail in there to kind of show... Ooh, I've been found out here, <laughs> but, <laughs> but not to, again, still that manipulative spirit in there, you know. Definitely. We've, I've been found out here, but this isn't going to be the last time. You know what I'm like? I'm yes. desire, you know? Uh, yeah, really, really good. Absolutely loved, uh, my son Alexander Park in there. Um, definitely hope they're back for, uh, for season two. Um, Sure, they would be if, uh, if we do have a season two, uh, the rest of the endless will, uh, hopefully appear, but we did get mention of one more member of the endless. We certainly scene. did. Mm.
0: Delirium. Yes, we did. How exciting. Yes. I thought that was pretty good. We do still don't know the, the missing one though.
2: You do not? No, no. I saw some, um, some person, uh, quote the uh, other name of the other, of that missing endless and I was really angry, even though. People who've read the comics have known it for 25 years, but I well, was really yeah. annoyed that someone quoted that other member of the I Endless. I I know. Good, Although I good. can just go through the different D's in the dictionary. There's quite a lot of D's in the dictionary. Yeah. It could be Derek. Derek, it the could, other member yeah, of the Endless. <laughs> I am a member of the Endless. That's, that's uh, what's what Drama. Cool. But um, <laughs> Delirium, just because the name has now been mentioned, Delirium was that sigil that was on the wall that I was saying to Chris a couple of weeks ago, did you catch what uh, their sigil looked like, what her sigil looked like? The sigil is fab. It's uh it's just popping clouds of of various colours. Very cool. So uh, so check that out. Yeah, good uh, stuff. So we'll hopefully see delirium in the future as well. Uh, let's get into the wrap-up of the episode because as we mentioned, the um the show itself has all led to this, all chapters have led to this end sequence yes. and everybody gets a kind of close out uh a close-out moment here. Um really because of that dream that Hal had. Where he realizes himself and his other his drag queen version of himself can work together. There are two parts of the same whole. We finally see that he's willing to give up his home, uh, this home that he never wanted in the first place, but made do with it, I suppose, uh, to follow his dreams again. And, And very quickly, Chantal and Zelda. Agree that they're going to buy the house, um, yes. and he and he's going to be able to take the money and go to go to New Jersey with uh, Rose and and Jed. So, um, so I really like that as the. I know it's a very quick resolution, but I really like that that's resolved that whole yeah, storyline exactly. with
0: Jed. And Leiter is there with her, mm-hmm. her new born baby who yeah. is not going to be called hector i'm so glad that she didn't do that yeah and um, only one hector for her exactly
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, so th- yeah that was really good
2: uh, absolutely yeah and, and really cool they formed their own little family yes. um with with uh lighter baby uh rose jed um hal and uh, and rose's former uh former housemate the, yes. the guy who Almost, 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 got killed yeah. by uh, by Corinthians. Exactly. Uh, so nice to see their family, and we see even more story. This is a couple of years on. We see that she's written a novel in the dream world, um, so we know it's eventually going to get published. And then it cuts back to uh, to Rose, who's just finished the manuscript of it, and is questioning whether to send it off or not, and is getting pushed by Liza to send it off. Yeah. But we do know that Lucienne uh, thinks it's a great book. Yes. Even though the uh, the main protagonist <laughs> might be uh, might be something that would annoy Morpheus.
0: Definitely. And <laughs> I, I love seeing Morpheus going back to work there, sort of, mm. you know, almost that kind of Icelandic um shot by the volcanic, you know, on the volcanic beach mm-hmm. with the big rocks. And, and I felt my, you know, faith in Morpheus rewarded that he also rewards uh, Galt here mm. uh, to become a dream rather than a nightmare. And it looks fantastic It well. It is really good. Yeah. I love the sort of the... Yeah. Schematic stuff of the the nightmare behind with the missing face. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see that come to fruition. Mm. It's like maybe I'll go for noses for eyes this time, or <laughs> ears for <laughs> eyes. <laughs> maybe teeth for eyes. It's just too far. Yeah, it could be willies. <laughs> it, could be. it could be. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> and um, and then just also, you know, realizing that there, there does need to be some changes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he asks Lucienne. To look after the affairs of his kingdom, his palace, whilst he is there creating. It was really good. Lucien looked really pleased, and I just thought, you know, her faith rewarded here. So delegation, yeah, always important uh, when you're uh, when you're running an organisation as big as uh, Morpheus
2: is organising. So yeah, I love I love that he's going into creator mode now. He's going right. It's time to create some new dreams. Time to create some new nightmares, and. Uh, I don't need to run the day-to-day. Lucien did that reasonably well for a 100 years. So, yes. uh, delegate a little bit of power over to uh, over to your right-hand lady.
0: Definitely. Yeah. But we do finish off with a, a Lucifer Morningstar moment mm-hmm. as well. Um, with Mazikeen back uh, as yes. well. It was
2: very cool. And the introduction of a character that always is very odd, Azazel uh, in the comic books, the kind of lord of... Um, the another lord of the uh, of the demons of hell, head of the lords of hell, yes, in a sense, yes, yes. Um, but a very interesting uh visual for the character: these multiple mouths that are inside yeah. this crack or or uh, strike through the dimension almost. It looked um, a
1: little
0: weird to me. I'm not going to mm, lie; yeah. it, it almost felt like it hadn't gotten the full CGI okay. treatment. Um. But at the same time, then I kind of got used to it. And it actually reminded me of the the mouths of attack the, of the creatures from Attack the Block. Absolutely. The yeah, yeah. I was so I quite liked thing. it in the end.
2: Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking of a mix of Attack the Block and uh, and The Muppet Show. Um, the, the, I love the puppeteers and Muppets. There's no criticism. I love that. But it felt like it was puppeteering behind, uh, behind the scenes with these, with these scratches through. I don't know how you do it. Any differently to the way that they've done it here, but it's exactly how it looks in the comic. It's exactly what it looks like on the page. Yeah. Um, these these eyes and mouths staring through from this other void, effectively, all speaking um differently to uh to Lucifer, all threatening effectively Lucifer to take over from her as uh, the head of uh as the head of Hell, effectively. So um, all saying we're ganging up together. I guess in Christian mythology, or I, I guess that's what you call it, um, the, Azazel is also another of the fallen angels. It's not just Lucifer Morningstar. Remember, Lucifer Morningstar yes. was the greatest of all of the angels, the, the top level, the closest to God. Azazel is another of those fallen angels that fell um, in the war, effectively, and, and landed up in, in hell. So Azazel is a very important uh, one of the... Uh, one of the angels. So, yeah, I I like um, that
0: he wants to attack the dreaming so that then he can attack the waking world and then the silver city. Mm-hmm. Um effectively we're locked in in hell so if we can't leave, let's just make hell bigger, effectively. Yeah. Give us more real estate. Exactly. Um and you know Lucifer doesn't trust him um but you know she says he can't be trusted, but he's not wrong. Um, and she acquiesces that she will um, do something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just love, then, that she says that will make God absolutely livid uh-huh. uh, and bring Morpheus to his knees. Mm. Yes. Big stuff. A really great closeout, actually. And, I mean, just... Teeing it up for season two? Mm-hmm. Netflix.
2: Oh, that's a massive you story know? as well. I can't wait. Uh can't wait to see it, hopefully. Uh, maybe between now and then I'll get you to read the story, John.
0: Interestingly, as well, as she looks out on her hordes of demons, mm-hmm. it really looked like a just the the square outside St. Peter's uh, in the
2: Vatican. That is intentional. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh a that's a fiery St. Peter's I guess. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It does look exactly like that. I I believe that was on purpose as well. It's a, it's a great moment, isn't it? It feels, it feels really epic that we've got uh, this version of hell um, and may hopefully see more of it in the next season. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, Any other points, notes from the episode, John?
0: Uh, No, nothing from me. How about yourself?
2: I have one note and one thing that we've missed, uh, and didn't talk about, uh, the, the note that I really like is, you know, the, um, the story that Chantal is not unable to get through the line. She's unable to get, get through the, it's a dark and stormy night. Yes. And Zelda helps her. That's a ghost story from, uh, M. James from 1895. A ghost story called Lost Hearts, which the episode is named after. Ah, very good. So, yes. uh, Lost Hearts referring to Obviously, the um the vortex that Rose pulls out of herself, uh, desire lives yeah. inside of her her own heart. Remember as well, so lots of uh, connections with hearts. But the actual name of the episode is taken from, or the name of the issue in the comic book is taken from this ghost story.
0: Good stuff. Actually, one thing just to say, Morpheus punishes the collectors. As That's well. absolutely my other point. Yes, yeah, and yeah. um, they get their just desserts
1: mm. effectively, um, and yeah.
0: which I thought was kind of. Uh, you know, as he punishes the collectors, he says to feel the pain you've you've slaughtered, and to feel the grief of those um, that mourn them still. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I absolutely yeah, really love good.
2: I absolutely love it because again, it ties up with what we were talking about earlier on in the season. Without Corinthian being in the world for those hundred years, he wouldn't have inspired the depths of depravity that these particular serial killers. It's not like murder didn't happen before we know. Cain and Abel killed each other. Um, they are, uh, or Cain killed Abel. Um, we know that murder has always been around. But what he, what Morpheus is saying to Corinthian is, if he wasn't in the world, it wouldn't have inspired the kind of depravity and monstrosity that has been in yeah. this world uh, with these serial killers. These people that come out and actually have a convention to celebrate how great they are and what they're doing is murdering yeah. and killing. I love the punishment from Dream. He hasn't punished anybody this season. Remember, he put John Dee back in the hospital. He did pull Galt out of the world and put her back into the world as a dream. Yeah. He's taking Corinthian out of the world, but it's not a punishment for him. He's just saying, You're badly made by me, so I'm going to uncreate you. So these are the only people he's really punished this season, yeah. um, which I think is really interesting. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And closes really, out
2: the story very well.
0: It does. Excellent stuff. Derek, what did you think of Chapter 10 of The Sandman Lost Hearts?
2: This is the perfect closeout to the first season of The Sandman. I love how they've done this. You know, again, this show is being based on comic books that came out monthly. There was another story coming in a month's time after this story ended, but they've pulled together the exact right parts of the um, issues of the comic to create a great 10 issue season that feels like a graphic novel it feels like a book one complete storytelling uh the start of why unity kincaid was the way she was was asleep for a hundred years how she became the vortex and how rose became the vortex and why there's this battle for the future of the dreaming effectively so a great overarching arc across the entire season with some excellent stories come coming in to 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 flesh out this beautiful world of the sound man i think this is exceptional television i hope we get to see more of this i'm so delighted it's been so successful um After waiting 30 years to see what this would look like on the screen, I think they've done an absolutely brilliant job. And this episode was a great capper for it. Closed out the stories really well, paid off on really small moments from earlier on in the season in really big ways in the last episode. So uh, absolutely love it. Uh, How about yourself, John? What did you think of... The out of the Sandman season 1 and episode 10.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I can add more than what you've said. I really enjoyed this. I'll give it five mini teeth-eyed skulls out of five. Beautiful. Yes. <laughs> um, I just thought it was really, really well done. I, I loved how it, it brought in the plot and scheming of desire. Mm-hmm. I mean, I loved um, just the, the threat of Rose here and the sacrifice of Unity Kincaid. I, I love that literally, you know, all the members of the house of the B and B got their moment here in, in this episode. Yeah. Fiddler's Green as well and seeing that come to life. Yeah. Um so I really, really enjoyed it. Um and and the scheming and plans that Lucifer will do, you know, at the behest of Lord Azazel, um, then really, really good. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'd give this um five mini Teeth-eyed skulls out of five. R.I.P. S- Corinthian, yeah, you absolutely. were a nightmare, but, but no doubt you'll be created again. But Brilliantly played by Bo- Boyd Hall. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. absolutely. I'm so
2: glad you like this. I know uh, we don't mention it very often. Myself and John have covered another Neil Gaiman property. We covered uh, Good Omens, which Neil Gaiman wrote with uh, Terry Pratchett before. Myself and John had, had covered that. And I know you really enjoyed that that um translation of that book to uh to the screen as well over in prime video so uh it this is a very different story though isn't Absolutely. it is, but yeah. uh but it is it does have some of the same kind of concepts from Neil Gaiman. I know you've read a lot of his books as well, but you you know that idea of him leaving those breadcrumbs and uh and yeah. turning them into this final uh final moment at the end. So good stuff. Uh really glad you enjoyed it and hopefully we'll get to see more I mean, at least we have one more episode of the show to talk about. Yeah definitely with our thoughts done on episode 10, let's get some of your thoughts. Uh, let's go over to some feedback. We do have a bit of feedback in uh, on chapter nine first. Um, so first up, uh, Elizabeth sent us a voicemail with her thoughts overall on the season so far.
1: Hello, and thank you, TV Podcast Industries, for making such a great podcast. CNN um, was a friend recommendation, and Strange Indeed sent me to you for... Uh, the podcast accompaniment, Thank you so much for filling in the gaps uh even even though i 'm an avid reader of uh, graphic novels i've stayed away from d c and Marvel, but now I will completely devour the entire uh sandman, whatever they have. <laughs> you have the most eloquent listeners <laughs> that write in thank you very very, very much for this coverage uh, Your friend in California, totally tubular. Elizabeth.
0: Great stuff Elizabeth. Uh great to have you on board for The Sandman. Absolutely. Sure, yeah.
2: Yeah, that's great. it's really great that you joined us uh, Elizabeth. And thanks so much to uh, to Rima and Pake over on uh, over on Strange Indeed podcast for recommending us as well. Uh um, yeah, we're exactly. avid fans. I think I've been on Strange Indeed twice. I know I've, I know I've podcasted with both Paik and, uh, and Rima multiple times and really good friends of them. So, uh, thanks so much to them for the recommendation. Great to have you on board with us, Elizabeth. We do have some of the best listeners out there. Yes. As well, absolutely. And eloquent. <laughs> Very eloquent. Very eloquent. Absolutely. Here's Robert Williams with his thoughts on episode on chapter nine as well.
0: Yes. Uh Robert sent in an email to us and said, Well, there it is, the serial convention. <laughs> Derek, I think it was you that hinted at that a couple of weeks ago. And it's just as funny as I expected. <laughs> especially like the irony they would have rules to obey. I would certainly feel uncomfortable going to a convention of killers, no matter who I might be, not knowing what kind of shenanigans might break out. Mm -hmm. I know you'll probably touch on this, so forgive me, but what's the importance of the name? Anything other than hiding? I'm assuming there's some kind of control someone can yield with the name of a dream, and does that exist to all dreams? How about Morpheus himself? I'm beginning to see how Mr. Gaiman and co... ...can come up with nine seasons worth of material. Mm -hmm. It's getting very good with each passing episode. Thanks for all the work and all the shows and movies you cover... Watch out for the cereals, Robert. Yes, <laughs> exactly. In particular, Ol bran. <laughs> yes, you're not a fan of Allbran, are you? <laughs> no, it's like needles of bran. <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> you have to dreadful. give it
2: another try. Uh, excellent stuff. Thank, thanks very much, Robert. Uh, on the names thing, this is, uh, this is about Corinthian um, avoiding uh, giving his name to people. It's actually because Corinthian doesn't have a name. He was a nightmare. The Nightmare was called The Corinthian, but yeah. uh, it'd be very difficult to say to people, that's your real name. But he can give that name to uh, the the other serial killers because they all go by their uh, their nom de kill, I guess. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that's what you call it. Uh, so they all use their own uh, I- identity covering names. So he doesn't have to do that with them. But when Jed tries to continue to ask him... um what his name is uh he doesn't give it to him basically so um so that, that's as far as i know i don't think there's anything else I might be missing there but please send us in uh your thoughts or your uh your ideas if uh if there's something that i've missed yeah excellent thanks great robert.
0: yeah great stuff thanks robert uh victor von doom on facebook for episode nine said greetings dreamers i don't know what to say about this episode but yuck but it got better. Mm-hmm. The serial convention reviled me. Someone should have walked in there with a flamethrower. <laughs> Lucien seems like a lover scorned, but she is right about Morpheus. Mm-hmm. Will it take another visit from Sister Death to get his head on straight? When Jed walked in on the boogeyman's execution, then ran into Funland, I almost shuddered. Mm. Who would think his saviour would be the Corinthian? Of course, he had his own motives. Nighty night, dreamers. Thanks, Victor. I completely agree with you. I think there is a real menace from um this, which doesn't adequately get resolved until episode ten. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, which is one of the great things about it as as an episode, it leaves you crawling until the next release. But of course, Netflix dumped it all at once. Yes. So. It you does, just scroll you on know, to the next one. <laughs> you can just scroll on to the next one to see justice, hmm. uh, uh, effectively the the righteous um, flame thrower of justice being given by Morpheus yeah. here, and so yeah, it, it is a really. Um, disconcerting uh, episode, for sure. Yeah. It's one of those ones that I'm sure, as a writer, it's
2: it, it's probably the difficulty or the joy, you know, when you think think about this idea of a serial killer convention. Oh, we've got a 100 serial killers who are meeting for the first time together, and then I've got to pick out four or five to highlight them. So you want to make them all different and weird and interesting. And um, even though they're very dark and very creepy, I do love the way they're created someone like funland where you go god that's a really yeah. horrible um creature that lives in the world and then you get to add someone like um like nimrod or the good doctor and then the corinthian you get to layer on all these different types of characters it must be a really interesting thing to do as a writer to go right blank slate I have 100 different yeah. serial killers. I need to highlight them and, and make them all different and creepy. So uh, so if you felt like you shuddered uh, at the idea of Jed walking in and the execution and then Fun Lad, that's absolutely the intention. I think it's carried off really well in the show yeah. uh, to show those weird characters. Good stuff. Thanks so much, Victor, for that.
0: Yeah, thanks, Victor.
2: Uh, one final piece of feedback on episode nine uh, from the wonderful Lara Williswink as well.
1: Greetings, TV podcast industries. This is Lara. I have some feedback for Episode 9, Collectors, and I was just going to send you written feedback because I love to hear you read it back in your beautiful accents, but I thought I would give you a little bit of a breather and send some um, audio myself. This episode, hot damn, that was thrilling, engaging, and totally skin-crawling, Though I was a little disappointed that the show, unlike the comic, let the cat out of the bag about the serial convention, um, and what it actually was. I still think the event name on the, on the marquee as they entered the hotel was used to hilarious effect. So still gave a little bit of that feeling that you got when you found out in the comic book what the serial convention actually was. Every scene with Funland just made me so uncomfortable, but all the serial killer dad jokes were great. I am so glad that Dream and Lucienne made up. We all know that Dream's Achilles heel is his pride, and that, yes, he can be a bit of an asshole sometimes, as any eternal monarch with great power and great responsibility can tend to be but apparently 100 years in captivity has taught him a little bit about humility because he almost apologizes to Lucien in admitting that he's wrong, though that didn't really help him with his bedside manner when confronting Hector and Lita. I wasn't sure at first that I liked how they reworked Lita and Hector's story in the show, but I've learned to be patient with things on the show because they always make sense in the next episode, and that change definitely did. I know the show is distancing itself from the DC universe, so making Lita and Hector regular people wrapped up in Rose's weird vortex is perfect. And it still leaves us with a child conceived and gestated in the dreaming that belongs to the dreaming, which may have some portents in the future. If we get one, come on, Netflix, where is season two? Everything that Dream did was right. Their existence in the dreaming was corrupting nature and the universe and destabilizing the dreaming. But it's not the message that's wrong. It's the delivery. I'll admit that I really wanted to hear Dream call out to Hector a little ghost and hear Lita say that line that she says in the comic when he tells her that The baby is his and he'll someday come for it. And she replies as he leaves, over my dead body, you spooky son of a bitch. But maybe they'll insert it in in the finale episode. Again, the casting on this show is sheer perfection. As Stephen Fry plays Gilbert exactly as he is on the page and how I imagined him in my mind. Boyd Holbrook, 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 Holbrook. is still killing it, all puns intended, as the Corinthian. I think the screen version is even more compelling and charismatic than the comic version. Well, that was a pretty thrilling and cliffhangery sort of penultimate episode. I can't wait to check out the finale and then move on to our bonus episode and i really can't wait to hear what you guys think of this episode good night dreamers
2: oh fantastic i'm so glad to hear your thoughts on episode nine there lara that was really uh really fun i know lara had that recorded uh just after she watched the episode for the first time and uh and just missed sending it in for our cutoff for episode nine uh it's, that is just one of the difficulties with netflix isn't it that you, you have all the episodes there and especially with a show like this you just can't stop watching it and then suddenly going Oh sugar, what episode am I on that I need to send in feedback to the podcast or, yeah. or whatever? So, uh, so thanks so much for your thoughts there, Lara. Really, uh, really good to hear. Uh, yeah, there as we know, there have been some changes from from the comics. Uh, some to make to make a bit more sense. Some to take out connections to the DC universe. Um, I think really now that we're at the end of the overarching arc, the ten episode uh, season, I can definitely say the choices that they made in this show to update it and to to amend the storylines to make it more. Uh, sometimes more coherent together as a story. I think they've done a great job. Um, remember again, when Neil Gaiman sat down to write that first issue of of Sandman, he had no idea how long the series was going to go on for. So even some of the things that he was putting in there were just to try and sell comics on the shelves effectively when they, when they were coming out first. Whereas now he can have the opportunity to look back yeah. And put together this much more coherent story over the course of of, of the ten chapters. So, uh, great stuff, and thanks so much, Lara. Great to hear from you.
0: Yeah, thanks, Laura, for your thoughts. Really good to get that insight, like like from Derek, or, mm-hmm. around someone um, who's read the comics and has really enjoyed the the show as yeah. well, uh, and love loving the puns as well. Absolutely. So, yeah. <laughs> Really good. Uh, Thanks, Laura. Moving on to our episode 10 feedback. Mm -hmm. We got an email in from Victor Von Doom. Greetings, dreamers. Having read only Volume 1 of the comics, I must say I enjoyed everything about Season 1. The Corinthians' speech was eerie as a Hitchcock soliloquy. I was glad Dream interrupted it and, with helpful hints from the Nightmare, put things right. Why do villains do that? (laughs) The formation of the Vortex was fantastic. Mm. Unity's sacrifice was also very touching. Will he really take Lighter's child someday? Morpheus's mercy to Fiddler's Green and confrontation with Desire showed two sides of him. Mm. I think Lucien, as well as Death, not to mention Unity, rubbed off on Morpheus. Galt's transformation was also very befitting. Mm-hmm. I can hardly wait to see what Morpheus creates in his workplace. I sense a possible alliance between Lucifer Morningstar, Desire, and Despair against Dream. Mm-hmm. Where would God fit into all of this? Like Bob Dylan sang, you gotta serve somebody. I'm now on to the comics, volume two. See you next streaming season, Nighty Night Dreamers, Victor Von Doom. Great stuff, Victor. Thanks, Victor. Uh, thanks for your thoughts. Uh, I pretty much agree with um, everything you've said there totally uh, okay. my view on episode 10 as well yeah
2: yeah and, and i i would say my big advice for you uh victor is to continue reading um if you enjoyed volume one it gets better consistently uh, over the course of the uh, the eight, eight to ten volumes that are in there um i think it's actually up to up to about 12 uh, depending on depending on how you've uh, either been gathered together the volumes that you're reading but um a lot of what you're asking will play out in the future um how does God fit into all this? Well, God is a God in this world. God does exist in this world. Uh, angels exist, devils exist, demons exist. So, uh, so God does exist in the, in the world of, uh, of the Sandman. So will you see them or not? I'm not, uh, not gonna spoil that in case you do want to read on further. But, uh, but yes, there, we've already uh, seen the mention in this episode of the Silver City, uh, which is a reference to heaven. So, um, and where, uh, lucifer fell from so uh so yeah so yes. you they, they may appear in the future but i'm not gonna uh spoil any of the questions will dream take the baby of Lighter? well that's the threat it was born in the dreaming gestated in the dreaming therefore it's part of the dreaming so um we've seen that even with him being a bit nicer to people around him we even see him smile in this episode in episode 10 yeah. uh, with lucian he still has some rules that he may follow in the future. So uh, that is a future story that, that well, may be it would, Yeah, it
0: would be a really interesting one mm-hmm. um, as well. Yeah. yeah, as as we said. Um there is... he follow through on on his threat to lighter? Exactly.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Great over, stuff. Over her dead body, as, uh, as Lara called that.
0: Yeah. Right. Thanks, Victor, for yeah. your thoughts. Thanks, Victor. Uh, we also got an email from Dr. Bob Phillips. What a wrap. We explore the fragments of Floridian Dreaming, We have a perfect English idyll Mm. restored and made endless by a tri-generational compact of powerful black women. Mm -hmm. And ten episodes of learning have finally gotten through (laughs) to Morpheus. Visually, it's stunning. The voluptuousness of the Chamber of Desire has echoes of the inside view of a heart's chamber. Mm -hmm. Hell reflects every memory of Mordor and Transylvania (laughs) and a summer in Merthyr, <laughs> I know <laughs> is exactly, in Wales. It certainly is. I know exactly what he means. Sorry to our it Welsh It is Listers. like, and if you go there on a non-summer's day, right. it's even more, um, like hell. Really? Yeah, okay. it's really interesting. Sorry to our Welsh listeners, Bushair, no, but no, absolutely, no. I don't mean that in a <laughs> that in a bad way. It's because right. of all the slate. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's it's just as almost like landscape of dark gray slate fantastic it's, it's really um crazy um, maybe, and maybe uh the rings of power will use that for mordor in the, uh, in the second season <laughs> <he's> like, <laughs> over there. yeah it, it is it's uh <laughs> <laughs> it, it's so strange uh driving through there and um, and finally he says i want to say thank you producers for letting the lord of dreams have a bacon butty or two <laughs> and get some flesh on his bones at last Maybe his growing warmth is just a reflection. He wasn't being majestic; he was just hangry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic,
2: Doctor valve uh, Really glad you enjoyed uh, enjoyed this season and enjoyed uh, the final episode. Uh, yes, maybe maybe the Lord of Dreams was just uh, just hangry.
0: Yes. <laughs> well, everyone gets like that at some point, uh, don't they, Derek?
2: I do all the time. The poor John has had to put it up with it for sixteen <laughs> years now, isn't it, John? Yep. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Doctor Vel.
0: The Hangry Hulk comes popping out. <laughs> That's me. That's me. <laughs> Thanks, Bob.
2: Absolutely. We also got some feedback in from Lara Swink on episode 10. She says... Greetings fellow dreamers. As a long time Sandman fan, I had heard rumors for over two decades of screen adaptations just to be disappointed when the rumors did not pan out. But then I would actually feel relieved that they weren't going to destroy a property that I loved so well. So when I learned that Netflix was going was actually going to bring the dreaming to life on screen, I was very skeptical. I even found the initial clip of Roderick Burgess a bit underwhelming, But now, at nearly the end of the first season, I will have to say that pretty much all of my hopes for the series were realised. The show cleaves so closely to the comic and spirit and theme that it satisfied the devoted fan in me. But the additions and logical changes in character arcs and plots have kept me fully engaged as a television viewer. All this preamble to say I loved episode 10 (laughs) and the entire series as a whole, with just minor quibbles. The confrontation of Dream and the Corinthian added a bit more drama than how it was depicted in the comics, and the Corinthian actually felt like a credible threat for a hot minute, until Rose woke up, that is. Fiddler's green was glorious when he revealed his true self, and if I were Rose, perhaps I would have taken up Dream on living forever in that realm. Speaking of revelations, the reveal of Desire's long game was amazing. Dream confronting his sibling in the threshold was right off the page, but somehow even cooler. Mason Alexander Park is deliciously devious and snarky in just a few minutes of screen time. Morpheus, finally having a change of heart and recreating Galt as a dream, seems to have thawed his cold, imperial demeanor a bit more than in the source material. And the mic drop ending with Lucifer is just begging for a season two. Come on,
0: Netflix! Netflix! (laughs) Larry
2: continues, That being said, I'm not sure how I feel about the polyanification of Unity's pregnancy with Desire. Whether it occurred in the real world or in the dreaming, which I would have issues with how that would happen, but the show keeps it ambiguous so that viewers can come to their own conclusions. It's still a violation through deception and gaslighting. I know they didn't want to exploit the assault, but I don't know if glossing over it as part of a pleasant dream is much better. Perhaps it made it better for Unity that she never knew the full truth. The show is less dark than the page, but I'll allow it. Perhaps as someone who read the comics when I was a a cynical Gen Xer in my youth, similar to Mr. Gaiman, I've grown into an older adult who wants to see some light at the end of the nightmare. Extremely excellent coverage of the show. I know Derek is such a huge fan like myself, and I always appreciated his and Chris's insight, as well as experiencing the story through John's fresh eyes. A 10 out of 10 porpentines on the episode and the series for me. Excited to hear the final bonus episode next week.
0: Yes, my my fresh teeth lined eyes, in fact. <laughs> yes. Uh, Lara. <laughs> How do you see out of those munch, things, Josh? <laughs> Fantastic. I get hangry three ways here mm-hmm. through my left mouth eye, my right mouth eye, and my mouth
2: Excellent. <laughs> you go through food so quickly, John. That's all <laughs> it is. Um, I do understand what you mean. Lara, about that kind of backstory of Unity and what happened and, and how Desire got to her. But I, I'm kind of with you as well. I was, uh, was definitely, uh, in my youth, um, a, a bit of a darker person uh, when I read these comic books. And I'm, I've am probably come more to the light and don't think we needed to dwell on the story of how Unity got pregnant as much as what it was that da- Desire's intention um, of turning, uh, turning her offspring into the into the vortex i think that was a much better way to focus the story for the show it's a it's a a bit lighter as you say but uh, i think it works for the show for me i'm i'm really glad of that change I think as one of our pieces of feedback got uh, that we got earlier on in the season was we didn't need need the Kill Bill moment of the brutality of of how it may have happened. We needed the intent and we needed the uh, the reason behind it more so. And I think that's yeah, they, and that, that has they,
0: come out. I mean, yeah. I think certainly for me, um, the implications of what was being put on TV mm-hmm. was okay. Well, how did this happen? And yeah. of course, we've found that out now. Yeah. I think as Lara, as you say. It's still by deception and um, mm-hmm. it's still for ulterior motives and yeah. um, and that has you know been exposed now and yeah. um, that even though you know it's been withheld from unity be- before you know um because she's she's died by by taking um the the vortex mm-hmm. back but um yeah, I mean it was that was the weird thing for me in in this was that moment in terms of the implications of what was being said. But mm-hmm. nonetheless, um I guess as well at least for this series it has huge ramifications. It's about that sibling rivalry and that and ultimately the desires desire for sibling this sibling rivalry Mm -hmm. they will go to any lengths just to mess with their brother to (laughs) well to bring the downfall of their brother exactly and even if that means going into someone's dream and Mm -hmm. again that's the other interesting or sleep i guess that's the other interesting thing for me with desire's involvement in this i think earlier on i i mentioned about where does dream stop and desire end? And I think mm-hmm. these boundaries of them uh, are really um, are really messy and great exactly. for that. Exactly. Desire is everywhere. Dreams are in dreams. I think. <laughs> I think even during this podcast, I said desires dream. Yes. And Derek was like, "You mean desires plan?" I was like, "Well, same thing." Yes. Yeah. It was her dream. Exactly. Yes. And a plan to put in place. Yeah. Yeah, good one. Good stuff.
2: Excellent stuff. And once again, thanks so much for your thoughts, Lara. Hopefully you have some thoughts on the, uh, on the cats and, uh, and Calliope, uh, next week as well. Um, we also got an email in from Coffee and Vodka on the season, but he wrote it pre-episode 11, so I'm going to read it on this episode. Uh, Coffee Vodka says, Greetings, fellow Sand Season defenders. There are a number of must-have graphic novels, such as Craven's Last Hunt, Daredevil Born Again, and The Dark Knight Returns, but two absolutes are The Watchman and The Sandman, two works that don't garner fans as much as they do potential zealots so coming into the series even with neil gaiman himself at one third of the helm was a scary proposition but once seeing the show as its own thing that respects the books while smoothly streamlining it for tv it was an enjoyable ride dream's dual journey from captive to becoming more powerful than ever and micromanaging overlord to boss of the year was well handled (laughs) the cast of characters no matter how small the role were all well fleshed out the stories flowed into a single narrative while hinting at much more to come. We were introduced to desire and despair, who were great, but death outshined even dream. Outside of her, which of the endless are you most looking forward to seeing? For me, it's Delirium. and Barnabas. Also, my series standout besides Dream would have to be either Lucienne, John D, Hal, Death, Gilbert, Funland, Lucifer, Matthew, or maybe Unity. It's nice to have a show so good it gives you a case of the Johns when it comes to the best character. <laughs> series average four point five, second seasons eight out of 5, peace and take care, coffee and vodka. Uh, John, just for those of you who may only listen to our Sandman podcast, John is notorious for when asked for his choice of who his favorite is, uh, giving a list of 20 or so.
0: <laughs> yes. why limit yourself to just one absolutely you can choose as many exactly. favourites
2: as you want to <laughs> good <laughs> stuff, stuff. Coffee and vodka. Um, which of the endless are you most looking forward to seeing well I, I'm going to be the only one that will be able to speak on this really because we've seen all the endless that have been named um, Delirium is the one I'm most looking forward to
0: yep yeah, same here because it also chimes with one of my best uh, or favourite uh, dance acid tracks as well
2: yeah, yes Delirium who's that by again
0: delirium oh <laughs> there you go there you go excellent uh looking
2: forward to seeing delirium Ho- hope we hopefully we get the entirety of all of the endless uh in the next season uh, but as i mentioned earlier on um act three of uh of the sandman audio audible is available now and there are more of the endless uh, in that act thanks, thanks. Coffee Bucket.
0: yeah thanks coffee and vodka uh we finish off uh, on facebook uh with ben rush who says. Near perfect translation of the book. An excellent end of the first season. Bring on the season of mists. Oh,
2: yes. Mm. Lots of great stories to come. Uh, I hope it keeps going. There are rumours that Neil Gaiman uh, has got a backup plan. If Netflix uh, don't renew the series on Netflix, he does have the right to ship it to another company, given that Anansi Boys and Good Omens are both on uh, Prime Video. It's entirely possible that even if Netflix pass on doing season two, we may get season two over on Prime Video. Uh, So that's the good news. We still don't have um, any news right now on whether Netflix are renewing it for a second season. But I'm really hoping we're going to see more of these stories. I was wondering with that release of the single episode, this episode 11, which we'll be covering next time. I was wondering if that's a way you could also do it, where you could have three or four episode arcs just being released at a time. Rather than dropping 10 episodes in one day, then you're spreading out the story arcs and spreading out the ideas. Maybe it won't be like traditional TV where you have to do one season at a time because the comics aren't like that. They are stories no. in their own right. Some of them can be longer or shorter and some of them can be a few episodes. Some of them can be uh, can be split into one episode. Like
0: this. All I can say there is they need to be careful. They don't want to go Doctor Who on it. Where it disappears for yeah, three yeah, or four yeah, years and yeah. exactly. that is one episode. Yeah. And you've only and you you've only got one episode or two episodes, and um, mm-hmm. because it's effectively ruined Doctor Who for me. Oh. And I wouldn't want to see that format brought in, even though it might just be standalone ones, do it as a series of episodic um shows. You mm-hmm. know, there there's still much to be said about episodic, um, but were you you release a christmas special mm-hmm. and then eight months nine months later you do your october um halloween special halloween right? special yeah. and and not have at least a flow of five or six in the case of the bbc mm-hmm. shows you know it it's really it makes it really kind of just busy now they're maybe less episodic though that's a- almost the problem yeah. Yeah. but i still think don't go down that route but okay anyway i'm <laughs> well, quite adamant about this i, I, I i'm not for turning I, understand. And I don't mean it in that way but the
2: good news is if they do move to prime video we could have a an instance where it could go weekly because I, I most think... prime video shows are weekly which is great yeah. so hopefully if netflix don't change their plan of dropping everything in a day when they release season two of of netflix sandman then we do have another bit of good news if it goes to prime video then they could drop weekly, which would be awesome. Yeah,
0: but I, I think it would be great going to uh, Prime Video because then you'd have a nice Neil Gaiman cluster of mm-hmm. of shows there. We've got, you know, season two of Good Omens that is, is in the pipeline, and an Boy, yeah, uh, as well. So, yeah. um, great. You know, yeah. they could. I think. Yeah, they have American Gods as well over yeah. on uh, so over it's on a game. nice Neil Gaiman cluster there. It I certainly think. is. It certainly is the Neil
2: Gaiman corner of. Prime video. Yeah. Be awesome. Perfect. Excellent. I think that's it for all the feedback for this episode yes. of The Sandman. Great stuff. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Ben. And thanks, everybody, for sending in your thoughts. We Definitely. want to hear your final thoughts for our final episode. We will be recording uh, our final episode of The Sandman next week. You can email your thoughts into feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. Let's hope it's not the final ever episode of The Sandman, but uh, email in your thoughts. We'd love to hear uh, what you think of the, uh, the one off chapter 11 the two tales uh, including the animated dream of a thousand cats and a story of inspiration in cal ilp
0: excellent stuff yes fellow dreamers thank you so much for joining us we hope you stay subscribed to the podcast Mm -hmm. Uh, and if you enjoy what you hear please subscribe reviewers raters uh, and why not share it with your friends family and dreams in Mm -hmm. fact because sharing the podcast is of course Derek Sharing the love. Exactly. Yes. You can also support us through patreon dot com forward slash T V podcast industries mm-hmm. or buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash tvpi.
2: Absolutely, and thanks to all of you who've been supporting us there and all of you who've been sharing the podcast has been yes. great. great, great That's it. Thanks so much for joining
0: us. We'll talk to you again next time. Yes, thank you so much, fellow dreamers, for uh, joining us for Chapter 10. Uh, Good stuff, uh, seeing how the old uh, dream world uh, sort of fell back into place. Mm -hmm. Uh, Really good. Uh, Remember, until Chapter 11, keep watching, keep listening, and keep dreaming. Bye. Nighty night. Bye. Nighty night. Bye. Nighty night. Oh no, we're stuck in a tree. Oh no. I'll get you out of a jump.